0: hey this is the brains podcast i'm julian shapiro and i'm your co-host Cortland allen today we're talking about doomsday in other words the end of the world and to help us do that we brought in two very successful science educators liv barree is a trained astrophysicist and former professional poker player she's also the host of the weather channel's television show weird earth and tim dodd better known as everyday astronaut teaches millions of people every year about space on his youtube channel and his website we talked to Tim and Liv about humanity's lawless future in space, about why we're unlikely to ever see any signs of alien life, and about the most likely causes of human extinction in the next 50 to 100 years.
1: Like we've developed this societal sense that like it's almost wrong to agree with someone that you don't like, and it's mm. wrong to disagree with someone you like, mm. and those mm. things shouldn't exist. You should be able to hold, you know, I think all of us are, are you know, fans or follow Elon. But like, it's so weird. Some of his fans have got to the point where like everything he says is on a pedestal or the opposite. It's like, I don't know. It's just like, can I just talk about space? Like I'm here to talk about space. Right. Do I have to like now condition every tweet or like, you know, make some big statement, some social statement about like everything that someone else said? (laughs) You know, or like, it's like, how did we get to this point?
2: Can we not have that
1: on Mars? (laughs) Yeah. It's like verbal inflation.
2: Like the actual value of words is, is reducing same as we're having monetary inv- inflation verbal um yeah I've, i i am like really just trying to not go through it. i'm just like i'm done fine cancel me good <laughs> go for it just be authentic
0: you're on mars now man <laughs> okay for those
2: who think that that's not the right way to do mars okay we'll go you know there are there's there's other there's other celestial bodies out there you know like go out and you know build another future that's okay too
3: yeah right Enjoy Pluto, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I I think... um, uh, I want that on a postcard. (laughs) Tim, to your point about Elon, his behavior on Twitter is actually what, maybe you fall in love with this quote that goes something like, have no heroes, have no villains, just appreciate the good and bad in everyone. And like, you can selectively look up to the traits of some people and really admire them. And to your point, people are basically throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like, oh, Elon did this one thing, therefore I'm gonna discount all of his insanely awesome
0: accomplishments. Like, Are you crazy? Let's talk about something a little bit more upbeat. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's, talk about uh, let's talk about Doomsday. Let's talk about the end of the world. Uh, let's say, <laughs> let's say somebody came that back to us topic. from the future. Yeah. And they told us all that, hey, guys, the world is guaranteed to end at some point in the next hundred years. What's our number one guess as to why? Like why do we what do you think is the most likely cause of humanity ceasing to exist within our lifetimes? I would say nuclear war. And I also do actually think is more
3: likely than not the world ends in the next hundred years. One missile goes out, the US retaliates, it's over. So I feel like we're almost living in this bubble, this thing like precedent bias, where if something hasn't happened in recent memory, we assume it's impossible and we shouldn't act on it or prevent it, even if the data is overwhelmingly clear, like nuclear proliferation. So I think it's I think it's inevitable uh, that it's that it's essentially nuclear war, especially there's so many instances of us accidentally dropping bombs on ourselves or weird sort of radar glitches. Um, It's just, I just don't see how it doesn't happen. And that's why I'm like, we should go to Mars. That's the episode, we should go to Mars, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. There's a really interesting book called The Precipice, which just came out by um, his researcher, uh, Toby Ord at the Future of Humanity Institute. And he gives it a, I think quite generous actually, but a one in six chance that we don't make it past the the end of the century. Um, And he's like, really solid as as statistic like as as risk researchers go um he's pretty much the creme to the creme
0: which do you think is the absolute worst live like are you more afraid of ai or a bioengineered weapon or nuclear weapons like if you had to pick one
2: I mean, you know, personally, like I'm thinking, which one would I rather? You know, which one is the least painful death?
0: Which one I'm least?
2: At least, at least with AI, like if somehow, you know, we this is like getting super hypothetical, but you know, like yeah. let's say we build a super intelligence that is by definition super intelligent, therefore it's able to predict and understand things far better than we can even dream of. You know, like Mm -hmm. if we're the average human's an IQ of a one hundred, we're talking about like an IQ of maybe ten thousand. So we just can't even conceive of the things. Not imaginably smart. Exactly. So if that then decides, you know what, sorry humans, but you're done (sighs) at least there's like some kind of conscious intelligence going out and like making some utility out of the universe (laughs) and doing something with it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I I mean, it's like, that's it, like, an, I realize that's an insane thought, but like that to me is at least something. Whereas, like, just some kind of awful virus that just makes everyone suffer and die. And, um, you know, and also, like, with AI, like, there's also, in, you know, it combines in that risk of it. Of making something that's bad, we we also stand the chance of making something unbelievably good. You know, if we can build something of an intelligence of ten thousand IQ, like think of all the problems it can solve. Like, like now all of a sudden we have this like benevolent god that can that is on the side of humans. That's the best thing that's ever happened. So right. at least like you know, there's a good reason to be doing AI. Um, there's an incredibly good reason to be doing you know general intelligence. Whereas with like some deadly pathogen, there's no upside to that. <laughs> Zero There's enough. none. There's literally right. none. It's just, just a downside. So, yeah. yeah.
3: I think that one of the overlooked upsides of AI is, so the intelligence part's obvious because the invention of things or the invention of solutions to hard societal problems. But I think maybe even more, let's say as interesting, is its bias toward action. Like we know a lot of the things that we should be doing. Deproliferation, for example, so many, so many things we should be doing. Climate change, addressing it. But with an AI, ostensibly, it is biased toward action and will actually come up with a route to doing it and then do it, or give us a really simple set of instructions to actually do it despite the resistance or the friction of society, or us being lazy and equivocating and figuring out, should we put our resources toward that? AI is like, yeah, do it, go. And it goes back to the, the idea of, of precedent bias. It's like, there was no precedent for COVID in recent memory in the US. And as a result, even though, like, if you extrapolate from the reality, you're like, oh, this will definitely saturate America, no doubt about it. Uh, but we didn't do anything about it because we had no precedent. That that That's my concern is, like, even when we know things,
1: we just don't do anything. Th- to that note, and to the end of the world discussion, no one directly mentioned, like, climate change and, and massive right. climate. You mm-hmm. know, I just saw a study that's coming out. I haven't had time to read the full thing. But about NASA saying, like, basically, oh, we're trapping... Uh, twice as much heat, you know, leftover heat basically uh, from like, you know, the Albedo reflective index versus like how much the earth is actually consuming. And it's twice as much as it was 10 years ago. You know, so we're, it's, it's scary. It's very bad. It's worse than we thought. The thing that I have a hard time with, with with specifically when we, when we talk about climate change and people having to shift is like, yes, I understand that it can be disruptive to certain companies and certain, you know, like the oil industry. But I have this idea that like okay, if you've known this is a thing that we've been you know preaching for 30, 40, 50 years now and if you're still investing in mm-hmm. 24 right. billion dollar oil rigs, guess what? You deserve to lose your money. Like yes. You made the wrong investments, my friends. And those jobs, the people that are working in the oil industry, guess what? There's going to be someone else out there making giant solar farms and making blah, blah. Mm -hmm. There's going to be new jobs. There's going to be new things. This economy isn't just going to sink because now we're all like coal workers, you know, like the United States trying to save (laughs) all these coal workers, like- why don't we work on instead of like trying to save the coal jobs get them new jobs in you mm-hmm. know in different sectors that are growing solar and wind are growing like crazy in the united states why why is there a hesitancy who's who's the person behind the you know behind the curtain that's like i will right. lose my fortune on this you know
2: yeah i mean with on the climate change thing i mean we have the annoying thing is we have very it's not the perfect solution far from it but it's the the best solution on the table that we have right now and we're doing the exact opposite thing and that's nuclear power and it's so mm-hmm. frustrating mm-hmm. it's a technology we've had for decades mm-hmm. it doesn't it's basically zero carbon certainly compared to almost everything else you know it's it's uh, it, it, so it's remarkably clean. Yes, it produces a little bit of nuclear waste, but we have very good ways of storing that, and it's very
1: small comparatively. Oh, and even like the ones that failed, like even everyone thinks of Chernobyl, like that actually only killed like directly like eight people or something, or some very small handful. It's not like people think it's like thousands or this whole. It's like no, far no, no, no. and that like, was the worst is, thing by far. Yeah, the worst thing is yeah that's ever happened in it's... nuclear history. It's like not even nearly as bad as the average like industrial problems at a, a coal power plant you know, right? Like, if there, there was the that amazing, cancer linked
2: yeah they're like, they're that statistic is something like uh, how many like, you know nuclear pe- power kills zero people per year yeah over the, over the last like 20 years um coal is killing it's either it's in the it's in the tens of thousands but it might be significantly more the point is it's like many thousands of people are dying directly from breathing coal fumes right that's let's look at that and then on top of that it's like the the second order effects of coal like climate change and yet there's just this insane and i hate to say it it's coming from um, mostly from environmental groups like mistaken there's good environmental Mm. groups and there's bad ones and the bad ones are so bad because they're so puritanical in their approach oh no it can only be like You know, solar, wind uh, and geothermal, that's it. We can't do anything else to say, no, you have to use, it's a very complex problem. We're going to need a complex solution. And some of it's not going to be absolutely perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative. And their actions are actually Mm -hmm. making climate change worse. And it drives me crazy.
3: Yeah, that really resonates. Mm one solution is to just encourage self-interest so the brilliance of tesla is i want a tesla it's a Mm -hmm. beautiful car Mm -hmm. and so i don't need to ideologically align
1: myself with the reality of climate change right Mm -hmm. i just had a conversation like a few weeks ago with a guy that saw my tesla and he's like oh yeah how do you like that car you know i'm like oh it's great he's like well i mean it's probably pretty great right now with gas prices i'm like yeah he's like but you know it's not any better for the environment right and, like, I didn't want to do – what I do in those situations is I just agree, and I just try to align, <laughs> you know, see where they're at yeah. and try to, like, get them to, like, kind of think one step towards, like – it's and I knew this was going to just, like, get him in the feels. I'm like, it's American-made. it's <laughs> It has more torque than a, a Ford F-150, you know, and I'm, like, yeah. just giving them all these, like, America facts, and by the end of it, he's like – yeah, that is, I guess, pretty cool, you know? Like, <laughs> so, like, I, I think in certain situations like that, you just kind of got to hit people in the, in the feels and, and find True. what aligns with them. And I think, like, the, the Ford F-150, the electric Ford F-150 is going to be one of the biggest game-changing vehicles uh, in the United States since, like, the Model T. Come tailgating season at football games, American football, sorry, Liv, um, you know, when people have their frunk open and it's full of ice, and they have all these things plugged in, TVs and stuff plugged into this thing. They are going to be the coolest vehicle in the parking lot. And everyone is going to forget their big, stupid, you know, <laughs> you know, penis compensating, like F-350s or whatever diesel. And they're going to want that vehicle. Yeah. And then they're going to realize in other states like Texas that, oh, I can plug this into my house. It can be right. battery backup for me when the power grid goes down. And boom, next thing you know, just this one simple like cool the cool factor of it and the the mm-hmm. sellability of it is going to solve actually a lot of other problems and i think that's like that's the type of things we need to think about is like what where's our biggest problem and trucks are one of the biggest as far as comer, or you know the average consumer driving a vehicle it's one of the worst you know polluters per mile compared to a prius you know we shouldn't be trying to make prius more efficient we should be trying to make trucks more efficient and this is one of those things that like will solve a lot of issues i think and and really really move the bar and help get that momentum going. Uh, let's, let's talk about UFOs. Oh, God. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> the number one story is a pandemic. Uh,
0: and it was such a big story that it kind of overshadowed another story that I think is remarkable. It's actually kind of mind-blowing, which was, to my knowledge, the first like, credible reporting of a UFO sighting in history. So there's, I think, four different U.S. Navy pilots who were flying training exercises one day, and they encountered this 40-foot-long, tic-tac-shaped flying object that seemed to defy the laws of physics. It was flying erratically. It was starting and stopping and disappearing in a matter of seconds. And it had no real, like, visible means of propulsion. So, no en- engines, no exhaust, nothing. It doesn't seem like something that's man made. And one of the pilots, David Freyer, is like, Freyer has talked about this extensively. Another pilot uh, actually was able to record a video of this thing. And then the US Navy released the video footage and they declared it genuine last summer. So, these are trained, credible Fighter pilots who encountered the same thing in the air—they saw it with their own eyes. They filed reports. They cut it on tape, and they all agree that it doesn't seem like something uh, that is man-made, which is crazy to me. So I'm curious, what do you guys think about these UFOs? Uh, what do you think they come from? What is the most plausible explanation for this? I'm happy to kick it
3: off because I'm willing to sound crazy. So the um, first—I don't think it's a hoax or a radar glitch. I think it's unlikely to do that. The amount of corroboration, like I was listening to. Uh, John Brennan, the director of the CIA, I was listening to um, Obama and Trump talk about like, yeah, there's stuff we do not know how to explain. We can't account for it. We don't know what it is. And so I think it is something. I don't think it's an illusion. Could be. Uh, But what I love about this is regardless of the answer, every single answer is interesting. So even if it's nothing, That's extremely interesting that we somehow fooled ourselves, uh, like a failure of military intel, uh, this Mm -hmm. happening across years phenomenon. We can't even tie to anything natural. That's interesting. Or if it's the United States doing like private tech, that's like 50 years in the future that we don't know about. Also super interesting. That means we could instantaneously win a war if we could move 60 times the speed of sound. Like the implications of this being real are extremely interesting, meaning how much the future has now uh, come to the present. Or if it is aliens, um, which I don't think it is, that's fascinating because why are they just chilling out next to our nuclear arsenal? The reason I don't think it's aliens is because that's exactly what Russia would do. They want intel on all the weird stuff we're doing with our military technology. Like, it just mm. seems so in line with that. If I had to make some, cra- like, hypoth- I don't want to say crazy, if I had to make a, like, a hypothetical case for why it is aliens. I would, this is a stretch. I would say it's because they're monitoring whether we start a World War three. Why else are they so obsessed with the, with the nuclear arsenal? So I, I feel like every answer is interesting. And for that reason alone, it's worth talking about. It all sounds crazy to me. It's like literally
0: <laughs> all crazy.
2: You also missed another very interesting possible explanation. And that is, you know, I, I, I'm sure that those pilots saw, saw something strange that they can't explain. Um, I, I, I believe them. Um why but it, it's just a very interesting thing to consider. What what is it, what would be the strategic advantage or the strategic reasons to release this information to the public in a in a way? Like it's because it's presumably a very fascinating topic. It's potentially a very right. unifying topic. Like my generate my, my hopeful explanation is that there's some really clever strategists out there who are doing it because right. of, well shit, the US is tearing itself and the West is tearing itself apart in these culture wars. What's one Mm. thing that can bring them all together? Like, you know, a common, well, whether they're a common enemy or a common friend, the point is like some off-earth beings that are intelligent visiting us. Like that that should be like a nice distraction to people to get them off this silly infighting. So that's one possible explanation as well. I personally, of all the explanations I give it, that it's some form of interstellar alien intelligence that has traveled all the way here um, I, that is the least likely right. explanation for I, I'm, I'm very much a uh, low probability of intelligent civilizations being out there anyway. And then the fact that they would have have to have crossed such distances, and also to come but then also like, only be seen in these certain locations, like if they want to <laughs> like, like, oh, you can kind of see us, but not quite like, are they like, chaos <laughs> aliens like wanting shy? to just sow chaos on us are they like partially shy but a bit shit at it like <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense
0: yeah it's like uh, it's like horror movies where there's a, a ghost who's like you know had a tortured existence and they've died and now they've come back and they spend their time just like moving chairs around and, like scaring people It's tables. like well, why yeah. would you do this you know, yeah, the alien yeah. scientists have like spent you know millennia perfecting faster than light technology to send ufos to our planet to do tricks in front of fighter <laughs> jets like it's not it doesn't make any sense I, but and also why,
2: why are all the thousands and th- you know again like why is it mostly uh you, like uh military pilots mm-hmm. if, if it was like they're sure, they're, there's are there's the vast majority of pilots out there are commercial pilots and they're presumably under less social pressure to 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 stay quiet if they see something strange right. because, like you know so wouldn't they be talking about it all the time and like i, I have a friends who have a few a few friends who are pilots and they've like no i've never seen anything
0: that lends credence to the idea that it actually is a conspiracy by the u.s military because you're right like Number one, why even release this? Number two, why haven't the commercial pilots seen anything? And like, okay, what are the rewards you could get from doing this? Maybe it's like coded messages to like our adversaries. Maybe it's like a subtle, you know, dig at China. Like, hey, this is technology that we see and that we have. And we're not going to come out and just say that we have it. But just by releasing a report and some video footage, we'll prove to you that we have this. And now your military knows how far behind you are. Maybe it's like a sort of a coded threat.
1: I, I like to just take it way, 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 way back. Like I like to say, I don't even want to remotely try to say what it is, but just like state like on stuff like this, like, what do we what do we know about this stuff? It always cracks me up when people even use the word aliens because like by definition, it's unidentified. It's mm-hmm. these are unidentified objects, right yet we're identifying it as alien technology. like no, we. <laughs> We literally don't even know like we're sitting here the debt by definition we we are ambiguous to it's what it even is right like that should be what it is it's just we don't know so here's here's what it could be. It could be, you know, it could be bad eyewitness accounting. You know, a, a handful of those. It could be uh, radar glitches, uh, infrared, you know, camera optics glares off of weird things. Trust me, I every almost every rocket launch there's an internal glare <laughs> from the bright flame, and mm-hmm. it goes opposite of the rocket. It, it's an internal reflection of the lens, and it goes. And almost every time someone's like, "Look, something fell off the rocket." It's like no, it's just optics, you know, like this is, it's every time I have to explain the same stuff, there's so many weird things like that all the time that seem just ridiculous, but my biggest thing about like UFOs or anything like that is the correlation between high end videography capabilities Mm -hmm. and credible alien sightings, like they should Mm -hmm. be a direct correlation, you know, like we've had, everyone has a 4K camera in their freaking pocket at all times ready to just do whatever. And they're already shooting 99% of their days on, yeah. you know, Snapchat or whatever, like or TikTok. Like there there should be an unprecedented amount of like incredibly clear footage of unknown phenomena and yet like it's actually getting less and less and all we are left still is this really grainy black and white, like right. kind of mm-hmm. weird, hard to interpret, like th- thing that's thermal optics, blah, 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 blah? Like until we have something like really tangible with like multiple sources of information and multiple spectrums and blah, 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 I don't even think it's really that entertaining. Personally, was like, oh, whatever, I don't know. It's not that interesting to me. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> that resonates. This is what I think, uh, Liv, you were mentioning. Uh, well, someone mentioned. Like what happens if the aliens do arrive? Is that actually a forcing function for collaboration? Going back like the Mars idea, the end of the world. I think where people get it wrong is they think if aliens were antagonistic, we would band together. Definitely not true. We're so tribal. We'll split each other up. Have you seen
1: Independence Day?
3: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) However, if aliens arrived and were benevolent, and they were sharing otherworldly wisdom. And I think we would actually start to treat them as a source of how to behave. And they could course correct. Now, that's never going to happen. But the benevolent case is way more encouraging than the malevolent case. But I guess, you know.
2: I mean, I hope it's, yeah. My, I, I do hope it's aliens. I would love it to be. Me too. I just don't Me think too. it is. Um, yeah. it's, I, I, you know, I'm pretty despondent about our chances if we're left to our own devices over the next uh, Few, few decades so any external influence I think would be gratefully received
1: I'm, I'm in that same boat like I want it to be aliens like please just have these be aliens hanging out doing weird tic tac things in the sky or whatever like that's super cool <laughs> but like uh, I, yeah I, like I, I, to me there's just no I don't see any reason to actually think that this blurry black and white thing with a single you know I don't know I don't... I don't that is not alien to me. That's, it's it's weird, but... Okay, yeah, so these
0: UFOs might not be from aliens, probably aren't from aliens, uh, but let's just talk about aliens anyway. <laughs> One of my favorite ideas is the Fermi paradox, which is this famous question. Um, when scientists look at the stars, we estimate, you know, what are the chances that life has evolved independently elsewhere in the universe uh, and they run it through the Drake equation? Uh, often the answer is, like, pretty probable. It's pretty likely that life might evolve somewhere else. And yet, we haven't really seen any actual evidence of this being the case. Besides these like gray, black and white, grainy video footage. It makes no sense. So that's the paradox. Why aren't we seeing the aliens? Where are all the aliens? Um, why do you guys think we haven't seen actual alien life forms? To fight? Despite the fact that the universe is so big, there's so many planets, it's so old, where are all the
1: aliens? I want to see Liv's response because she was shaking her head.
2: <laughs> I have, uh... yeah, I... So some, uh, some friends did a, an analysis on the, um, the Drake equation, because mm-hmm. usually, as, as you described, it's, it's, it's basically just a bunch of variables multiplied by one another. Uh, yep. you know, the number of number of stars created each, each year multiplied by the number of them that have, uh, you know, percentage that have planets, but multiplied by the percentage that are habitable, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and if you sort of pick point estimates... That even if you think they're quite conservative point estimates mm-hmm. for these, and plug them in, just by the nature of the way, because there's such broad uncertainty on some of these variables, literally like two hundred yeah. orders of magnitude, like if, yeah. you know, one one to the to the minus uh, one hundred, um, sorry, two hundred in one one case uh, that. If you just pick point sources, it's just through a trick of statistics, basically, it always spits out a far higher number than the reality. Whereas if you do this using uh, Monte Carlo simulations, uh, where you basically sort of estimate the uncertainty across the full breadth of it in each bucket, then the real answer comes out um, to, well, it's very, very long and convoluted, but their t- their takeaway was that we're roughly around 70% likely to be the only uh, advanced oh, civilization wow. within the entire galaxy, and somewhere around 50% to be the only advanced um, civilization in the entire observable universe. So um, I appreciate Whoa. that sounds insane, but they actually have a legit. You know, it's the trouble is with the Drake equation. It's it's just not really proper. It, it's not really a very rigorous thing, mm. um, and so it's often very misused. But that said, this is the best attempt at using it, and when you do, then it comes. It comes to this. So, my answer to it is that we might genuinely be the first, um, mm. which is all the more reason for us to not go extinct.
0: <laughs> when you when you say that you know some of these variables have like a you know two hundred orders of magnitude of uncertainty. Um, and you're listing some of the different variables, which, which ones are the most questionable? You know, the, the chance that life will develop on a planet or the life yes. will be intelligent or?
2: Yeah, it's, it's the one basically where um, the percentage of planets, of, of sort of uh, rocky planets that um, will go through a biogenesis. So, you know, that some, whatever the conditions were that, were just, that are just right for, for organic compounds to turn into actual life. Um, and, and it's, it's, there's just so much uncertainty of like how long that takes. Um, it it could be that like, basically the earth is just extraordinarily lucky that it got it done in time of its like habitable lifespan. It might, you know, it might in reality on average take trillions of years, but somehow it got done within the, you know, a a, a billion years basically of earth.
1: Mm. Right. Mm. I see I've always just non-mathematically, you know, just like in my, in my loins, I've just always kind of thought like that it, it just seems statistically impossible that we're the only life form out there, you know, and, and not necessarily, I'm not talking about like necessarily hyper intelligent life form or anything close to us, but even, I mean, just statistically speaking, I feel like there has to be other basic life form, you know, maybe just bacteria or like tardigrades or something like that, you know, whatever in the entire universe, I almost have to say that there's no way our little rock is the only rock that's ever harbored any life. Like I just can't imagine that being possible. Uh, but yeah, when it gets into like the, the the yeah, when you start running Monte Carlo simulations on things and start removing some of those hyper uncertainties of of what is like what does it take to actually have life go from muck into life, you know, like mm-hmm. into a swimming fish, like. Yeah, I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams though, that it'd be like 50%. Like I would have thought like the the worst case scenario would be like uh, you know, like a 1% chance or something that we're the mm. only ones. Like 50% right. is still shocking to me.
0: Maybe yeah. the more interesting question is assuming that there is a high percentage chance of aliens being in the universe. Assuming that there are aliens around, why haven't we seen them? Mm. Let's just assume that the Drake equation is roughly the right way to do it. Assume it's like, you know, a 100% chance that you know there's thousands of alien civilizations. What would be the most likely explanations for why we see nothing.
2: I think the main confusion that comes from the Fermi paradox is the fact that we're not picking up like radio signals. Um, because right. we, you know, we know that as soon as we could make radio signals, we were transmitting them very willy nilly into space. Um, in fact, even intentionally into space to try and, you know, send out signals and, and see if anyone's out there. So okay, sure, perhaps we are unusual. You know, perhaps there are many alien civilizations out there and they all realize that that's a bad idea. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, if there are, if if we're assuming that life is very, very common, then there should be, even if it's only 1% of civilizations that are like us, then the universe should be a very, very noisy place in terms of radio or electromagnetic signals, at least. Um, But we're not even picking up any of that.
1: So, But also, like, how far can our radio waves, you know, the inverse square law of like the actual radio signals, like they will be so insanely weak by the time they even get out of our solar system. Like there's no way those would be picked up by, you know, like we, there's no way we're picking up anything outside of our, our Mm -hmm. like solar system at the gain of like what we're sending out there. You know what I mean?
2: But if they're coming from every single direction, which again, under this hypothetical, they would be right. They're coming and they should be coming from likely stars fairly nearby. Um, I, I, I mean, it's a good point. Like, can, you know, would someone on Alpha Centauri be able to pick up our radio signals with a suitably sensitive detector? I think they would.
0: Um, Maybe
1: if they're, like, pointing it perfectly, you know, to, like, listen, like, exactly what? at... Like, because what we're doing a lot of times is just, like, listening, for, you know, fair I guess radio, tele, you know, telescopes are mm. pointed. But, like, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I'm not. Well, this all rests on the assumption that
0: alien civilizations would behave like humanity does. That because we've shot out radio signals into the stars, that of course they would do the same thing. And there's a I don't know if you guys have read the Remembrance of Earth's Past uh, trilogy, sci-fi trilogy. HBO is doing a doing a season on it. But uh, they have like a, an entertaining theory that like, there actually are aliens, tons of aliens, and that the smart ones don't broadcast any signals right. because it's so easy to like you know destroy somebody's star that it's much better to spend your resources and technology hiding your existence than it is to just broadcast. Like Humans are the only people who are dumb enough to broadcast our radio signals into the universe and it causes no end of trouble.
2: Yeah, but there's a book series sort of based on that concept as well, uh, the Three-Body... Yeah, exactly. That's exactly
0: what I'm talking about. The Dark Forest Theory. I mean, that's a possibility. Or another possibility is that we sort of assume that because... We want to go explore the stars and colonize other worlds that every alien civilization would want to do that when it might be significantly more resource uh, intelligent and easier to just like, I don't know, create VR, stay on your planet and just like, you know, Mm -hmm. create a matrix for yourself and live in that. Like why go... And then faster than light travel, when you can just hook yourself up to your computer and live in like a fantasy wonderland. And so I mean, why we certainly seem to be
2: heading in that direction. If you poll the <laughs> most people on Earth, they would all be like, "No, nah, man, let's. I want to stay and play video games." Exactly. Very few people want to, go to Mars. I, yeah. I was
3: actually yeah. just thinking about this. I was thinking, so we have this assumption, this egocentric assumption that they'd want to colonize you know, other planets and whatever. But if you've built AI, which you presumably would have if you if you have the technology to go colonize galaxies. Couldn't the AI in its infinite intelligence ostensibly just literally tell you what's out there, like predict all the possibilities and say, okay, well, we'll probably be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's probably these elements that are doing some cool stuff over here. And it's right. like, cool, those are the answers. You don't really need to go see it. But one thing I'll say about to wrap up this topic is Carl Sagan has this awesome quote, we are the means by which the universe perceives itself. And what's really sad about the light of humanity distinguishing itself is the universe will cease to perceive itself. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't even meaningfully exist anymore, and that's just like said. It's such a you know, it's just a mm. haunting thought for me. You know, yeah. yeah.
2: That's why the AI, if 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 the AI ends up taking us all out, at least the universe will still be able to understand itself. That's, why <laughs> that's it's, right. That's, <laughs> <so bad. laughs> that's
3: right. That's a good point. AI is 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 immortality. Um, all right, Cortland, we got five minutes left. What do we have left?
0: Yeah, five minutes until uh, Tim's has got to run. I, I want to talk about the fact that both uh, Tim, you, and Live. Uh, You're both science educators. You teach millions of people literally about space and math and physics and probability. And I look at you as as kind of fighting the good fight, you know, because we live in a world where people, as we talked about earlier, do not necessarily trust in science and engineering and expertise. Some of my good friends are convinced that every dollar we spend on space travel is a dollar wasted and we should be only spending it to fix domestic problems. And I could not disagree more. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about this sort of predicament that we're in. Because I'm concerned that we're living in a world that relies on scientific expertise to function well, and yet is full of people and voters and politicians who look at scientific expertise as being not something we should trust in at yeah. all.
2: What I worry that we're not focusing on as that, that, that is getting slipped under the radar: reliance on a small number of experts to mm-hmm. dictate what is and isn't right. Like if. Anything has shown us this, it's this pandemic. That you know, we I don't want to bash the who too much, but like they really screwed up on this, you know? Like they wouldn't even call it a pandemic till sometime in like I don't think it was either late February or March, where like it's obvious to me it was a pandemic from like January. And right. to anyone who had an internet connection who was paying attention, like it was like, come on, like duh. And yet and, and there's been many other mistakes. I like and, and the trouble is is that they you know they're doing their best i don't think they're you know they they they're trying to be malicious in any way i think it's you know they're just incredibly overwhelmed and it's a very small number of people trying to handle this incredibly like one of the most complex problems if not the most complex problem the world has ever seen and yet because of like in you know political pressure and financial incentives you know to not get caught ever showing anything that's considered a conspiracy theory youtube and so on are like you know, they, they treat what the who says or these certain, you know, this small number of institutions as like gods that know everything and they dictate mm. what is and what isn't allowed. So, you know, the fact that Facebook banned anyone from discussing the lab leak hypothesis um there's you you can't even have a there was a discussion between a biology PhD and a literal frontline ICU doctor about uh, ivermectin which I don't know if that's actually a good good treatment or not there's evidence suggests it is there's some evidence suggests it's not but this was a nuanced discussion between two people who are very qualified to talk about it and they took it down because the who says so and it's like to solve Like we're cutting, you know, the internet is our best tool to fix this problem. Because it's we need to hive mind it. It, Like we we need Mm. as many brains who are smart thinking about this. And in order to do so, they need to be able to access the information. And if you've got a tiny committee of people saying that's wrong, that's right. When they've already proven that they've gotten stuff wrong a lot, that's a recipe for disaster. So yeah, end of rant. (laughs)
1: Well, and and on that exact note, my last thing on this topic is is we've never in the history of the world had an opportunity where a 13 year old can have as much authority as a PhD, you know, doctorate (laughs) where they can walk into a chat room and, and just be like, no, this is not what it is. It's this. And they could literally be a 13 year old child. (laughs) <laughs> in, in normal settings in any other that's discussion, the problem. <laughs> that's not a thing that can't happen. This can absolutely happen. so I don't know if yeah, I don't think a tier system is the right the right answer yeah. like, that's
2: yeah. why we've got to teach people how to think like be like, look, mm-hmm. look look for people who. Question their own thoughts. They, they don't say anything with too much authority. Anyone who says this is definitely the answer, yeah, be wary of them. People go, yeah. this yep. might be, but this is the evidence pro, this is the evidence mm-hmm. con. You know, hold, put them on a pedestal, listen to their thinking more mm-hmm. than you listen to someone who's like close talking to the camera screaming that they know the <laughs> answers. Mm-hmm. <Yeah>. Um,
0: <laughs> All right. So cool. Well, I think these are some interesting thoughts to end on. Big challenges, obviously, that we're not going to solve in this podcast episode, but maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> uh tem live thanks a ton for coming on the show
2: no thank you
1: this yeah is thanks a ton so far there's a fun conversation
0: if you would like to learn more about live and tem you can find live at livebury.com and you can find tem at everydayastronaut.com